0: Milan, July 28, 1531. To the Honorable Mr. Carlo Magni, a most upright attorney whom I honor as a father at St. Anthony's in Cremona. Very dear father and brother in Christ, greetings. I have received your letter of the 23rd of this month, and I set out to answer it only after kneeling a long time before the crucifix on your behalf, for I think it is necessary to learn from him what I have to teach you. Had you not employed such a warm and amiable insistence, I would have almost preferred to keep silent. But moved by your entreaty, I will stammer out what I am unable to express clearly. Thus, dear Father in Christ, since your professional activity is quite binding, taking much of your time and energy, necessity suggests choosing a fitting method of prayer." That's why I would like you to practice as much as you can the following three exercises. First, give yourself to prayer in the morning and at night, as well as at any other hour within a set schedule or not, at any time, that is, day or night, in any position, that is, in bed or out of it, kneeling or sitting, or as you think best. And most of all, before you start your professional work, usually without any set order, for a short or long time, as God may grant it to you. Discuss with Christ everything that may be happening to you. Your doubts and your difficulties, especially the hardest ones. Present to him your reasons, thoroughly but as briefly as possible. Then only propose to him the solution you think is the right one, or, even better, ask for his opinion, for he will not refuse it if you gently insist. I can assure you that he will let himself be compelled to give it to you, if, again, you really want to have it. I am indeed deeply convinced that we can learn more about human laws directly from the legislator than from anybody else, especially when that legislator is himself the rule and the pattern of all things and knows how to explain and disentangle the sophisms of the devil. Indeed, how much more thoroughly will he be able to unravel those of men? Needless to say, if one does not believe this truth, he believes still less that God takes such good care of us that he will not let a single hair of our heads be lost. And again, that he is so wise that he will show the wise of this world for what they are, fools and know-nothings. Well, then, if in favor of those who have recourse to him, God destroys all the sophistic stratagems of modern man, who seem so intent in separating man from God, can't you imagine how he will disperse other less complicated machinations much more easily? And if, in a sense, one can unite himself to God, even in the midst of worldly distractions, how much more easily will he be able to unite himself to him in circumstances more favorable to recollection? Then, my very dear Father in Christ, enter into conversation with Jesus crucified as familiarly as you would with me, and discuss with him all or just a few of your problems according to the time at your disposal. Chat with him and ask his advice on all your affairs, whatever they may be, whether spiritual or temporal, whether for yourself or for other people. If you practice this way of prayer, I can assure you that little by little you will derive from it both great spiritual profit and an ever greater love relationship with Christ. I am not going to add anything else, for I want experience to speak for itself. The second exercise, which will help you practice the first one and will obtain from God a greater abundance of grace, is the constant lifting up of the mind. To God. You, my dear friend, cannot do without it, for the greater the danger and the more important the matter, a steadier application and sharper sight are required from you. By nature, man finds it difficult to be recollected, and much more so to be united with God, because his spirit is naturally driven in different directions and is unable to focus on one thing. This exercise of lifting up one's soul to God is, of course, more difficult for the person who has gotten into the bad habit of being dissipated. But the most difficult thing for anybody is to find oneself involved in activities that, by their very nature, according to my judgment, are not conducive to union with God, and still not be distracted. Who would think it possible to stand in the rain and not get wet? This is true, but what seems to be impossible in itself becomes very easy with God's help if only we do not refuse him our cooperation and that diligent practical commitment with which he has endowed us. Thus, if we want to maintain our union with God and at the same time to go on working, talking, thinking, reading, and taking care of our affairs as usual, Let us often lift up our minds to God for a long or a short period, as, for example, someone would do while entertaining a friend. If he were unable to entertain him on account of pressing business, for instance, keeping track of the goods which were to be shipped at that moment, he might tell him, Will you excuse me if I don't chat with you? I've this and that to do, but if you don't mind waiting as soon as I'm finished, we'll talk at leisure. Then... Interrupting his writing for a moment, he will occasionally turn his eyes and look at him. Sometimes he will utter a word or two about what he is doing. At another time, while still writing, he will say, In a short while, I'm almost finished. In these and similar ways, he will entertain his friend, though unable to talk at leisure with him. At the same time, he will not be distracted from his job by these gestures, nor hindered in his work by such forms of entertainment. You too, dear friend, should act in this way, and your studies and works should suffer almost no disadvantage. Before starting your activities, offer Jesus a few words of your choosing. Then during your work, often lift up your mind to God. You will benefit much, and there will be no detriment to your job. First and foremost, watch how anything concerning yourself or others is begun. Whether foreseeable or not whether at work or at play direct it first to God with any short prayer with which he may inspire you mentally or also in words that express your thoughts and wishes or in some other manner then while working thinking or planning frequently lift up your mind to God should your activity continue break it up perhaps for the time it takes to say a Hail Mary or as it may seem convenient to you, always, of course, following God's inspiration. Depending on the length of your activity, you can interrupt your work more than once. If you follow this practice, you will get used to praying easily and without detriment to your work or to your health. You will be praying incessantly, even while drinking, eating, acting, talking, studying, writing, etc., And the external actions will not hinder the interior ones and vice versa if you act otherwise you will be a decent person but not as the christian christ wishes and has called you to be this will be clear to you if you consider closely the way by which christ has been trying to bind you to himself i warn you and offer you the means to become such a christian if you really want to be one as i truly think you do so that you may not change your mind. If this were to happen, it would cause me very great pain indeed. My dear friend, if my words have any value in your eyes, I invite you, I entreat you, and I compel you in Christ and for Christ to open your eyes and consider well what I have written to you, and try to practice it by deeds, not just by words. I can assure you that you will become a new person such as you should be in view of the charge that God has placed and will continue to place on your shoulders in different ways. But if you act otherwise, you will not fulfill your obligation toward God and your neighbor, and far from being justified, you will be condemned as a transgressor. Try hard, then, to understand what I have just said, and apply yourself to practicing it. But above all else, while observing the first exercise, keep the third one which I am about to show you otherwise all your works will be of little value and honor before Christ now here is the third exercise in your meditation prayers and thoughts strive to pinpoint your principal defects most of all the chief one the captain general as it were which dominates all the others While concentrating on trying to kill that one, make every effort also to kill the other defects which may come under your attack, thus imitating the soldier who wants to kill the commander-in-chief of the enemy who is in the middle of his army. Striving to reach him, the soldier keeps his eyes fixed on him as the target, but at the same time he fights his way toward him by killing the other enemies he may encounter. Do likewise with your defects. Now, if you ask me which defect in my judgment is the dominant one in you, I should answer that, according to my poor insight, there is some sensuality in you. But no, your main defect is not sensuality, you understand what I'm talking about, don't you, but anger and a sudden change of mood caused by pride— which in turn is born of the knowledge and education that you have acquired by your studies and by the expertise with which you have obtained naturally and through long practice. Think about it, and you will see that this is what makes you discontent, disturbed, prone to use bad manners and to say unbecoming words. Besides, this root of pride produces other bad fruits and effects in you. I have just shown you the evil that is in you is the mother of all vices. Kill it, then, and it will not produce any more offspring. It is up to you now to search the manner and the means of how to do it. But if you do not know how, at some other time I might possibly write to you about it or explain it to you in a conversation. If perhaps this were not your main defect, although for many reasons I am convinced that it is, find out which one it is, And kill it. If you treasure the counsels that I have just given you, you will fall in love with Jesus crucified quite easily. Any other way will keep you away from him, a sad thing that I hate to see in you. For I love you and feel impelled to love you and see you forever in Christ crucified. Amen. I have bought a device to produce good and updated printing, and I will send it to you. It cost three liras and ten pennies. I am about to send out some books on the spiritual life, which I believe to be more useful than any others you might read. I will send them to you. Try to convince the Amici to buy them, for they will serve well those who want to make progress here in this life. Our Fra Bono? Well, both you and I have lost him. He keeps away from me or just seems to avoid me on account of some obstacle, Some three or four days go by without seeing each other, and when we do, I can barely speak to him. He must be afraid that I want to convince him to join us. I like the letter you wrote to him, but he needs stronger exhortations, so do give them to him. I will be writing to the Amici. Greet them all, each and every one on my behalf. Recommend me very warmly to the prayers of our Reverend Primicerio, etc. From Milan, july 28 1531 your son and brother in christ anthony m zachariah priest